Welcome to a Healthy Soul Podcast. My name is Crystal and I'm a functional nutrition coach and an autoimmune warrior. On this podcast, I'll be covering different ways to help you create a quality life and a healthy soul. What's up, guys? Welcome back. I'm excited to share this episode with you guys today. I've got another special guest. Uh, Her name is Kara Rabel, and she's an entrepreneur and a fellow member of the autoimmune community. And she's got a story to share with you guys that I'm really excited to also be able to share with you, as well as some really great information on what worked for her in her journey to healing. So without further ado, let's dive in. Hey, Kara, how's it going today? I'm so glad you could join us. How are you, Crystal? Doing good, doing good, you know, just stuck at home currently, but uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll get past that. So I wanted to start off um, with our conversation today with just talking about your story. Like, where did this all start? When did you get diagnosed? How did that all play out for you? Yeah, you know, funny enough, I don't even know if I've officially been diagnosed, which I think is not so uncommon when it comes to autoimmune stuff. It seems like, you know, uh, it can be like the big unknown. So I have suspected Hashimoto's is what they say. Um, And that all started would be six years ago now. It's right after I had um, my three girls who we had back to back to back. And so my youngest was one at the time and I was just going for routine uh, physical after having all my babies and they sent me for blood work and my TSH level so with my thyroid came back really funky so they sent me again for some blood work just to double check and uh, sure enough I had um, like a normal TSH is between 0.4 and 4 and mine was an 11 so um, not so good. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> and um, I didn't understand any of this. Like I have grown up my whole life as an athlete, I have a phys ed degree. So I have a basic understanding of nutrition and, you know, health, but nothing to the extent that I, I do now. Um, and so even when they had said my thyroid was off, um, to me, it was like, okay, why? Like I, I wanted to understand why. Um, and to be honest, like just the way it was handled was not great. Um, I, I got a phone call from the receptionist at my doctor's office um, saying, hey, your blood work came back funny a second time. So I just need to know where I can send this prescription for you. And I was like, a prescription for what? <laughs> and she's like, well, your, your, your thyroid. I'm like, okay. Well, what like what will the prescription do? And she's like, well, it'll, it'll get your norm, your your levels back to normal. And I was like, all right. So like, just for like one round of this prescription, or like this is for the rest of my life. Like, what are you talking yeah. about? You're just sending me a prescription. And she was like, oh no, yeah, like for the rest of your life. And I was like, no, like I, that's not good enough for me. Like I, I need to understand like, why could this be happening? What's going on? Like, I just had so many questions. So I was actually pretty angry. I could get kind of feisty and I was <laughs> a little bit feisty at that moment. And so I said, no, like I, I need to come in and, and see my doctor and have well, a conversation like, this before. You would I think that's pretty like standard practice though, right? Like the fact that you're getting a call from not even just like a nurse, but just like the receptionist. Oh, receptionist, yeah. <laughs> They're like, hey, by the way, you're going to be on medication for the rest of your life. Here you go. And it's like, 
you don't yeah. even know because from what I remember you saying, um, you didn't even have like symptoms before this, right? Or at least not that you were aware of. Not that I clued into. Like, I mean, that's something that my doctor said, like, didn't you notice that you were like super fatigued and, you know, aren't I cold all the time? Or this? Like he was listing symptoms of hypothyroidism, but I was like, I feel like you're listing symptoms of being a mom. Like I don't yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't tell the difference because we had three young kids. Like we had all, all three of our kids within a four year period of time. So like my body had been through a lot in those four years and, you know, being one year removed, it was like, you know, felt like the longest time I'd been not pregnant or nursing or, you know, any of that. So I was still settling out. Well, I, that's not even true. Like I had just, just finished nursing my last baby. So, you know, it takes a while for our bodies to find some sort of semblance of normal and like the hormones are crazy and it's so hard to know what your, what your normal baseline is when you've just, you know, gone yeah. through all of that. And so, uh, when I look back, now that I understand the symptoms of all of it, I'm like, oh, like my life was symptoms. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's so funny I, that you say that. Because, I didn't put it together. Yeah. I remember always being told that it takes about a year to a year and a half for your hormones to come back, like after you have a baby. So if you have three kids in a four-year period, of course, your hormones are going to be all over the place if that's pretty standard. Like that's... Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, it's funny because I, uh, I was just thinking when you were saying that, you know, I, <laughs> when I first got my first symptom, it was that I lost my sense of smell, and really? yeah, and it was after I had my, um, after I had my my youngest, and I was holding him, you know, just like a little baby, and and my husband was across the room. And he was like, oh my God, Crystal, are you going to change him or what? And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, he's not dirty. Like I'd be able to smell him, you know, like he didn't go in his diaper and, and he's like, Crystal, I swear to God, I can smell it from here. And I was like, God, my husband has got this crazy super smell. Cause sure enough, I check and his diaper was dirty. And I'm like, what is wrong? Like, what are you Superman with your sense of smell? What is going on here? But it yeah. turns out that I actually just didn't have a sense of smell, but it took me a while See? to put, it took me a while to even put that together. Cause that's not something that you just expect to happen. You know, you're like, what in no. the world? <laughs> that's not in the mother, the mom books. Like, no, that's not like, in the mom books. Yeah. <laughs> but what it's a disadvantage just funny. as a mom though, not being able to smell. <laughs> and you know, it's just funny. Cause like the amount of self-awareness that you need to have to even understand that you're having a symptom, even something as crazy as no sense of smell, but especially something not crazy, like motherhood symptoms, right. Of being tired and, and, you know, just worn out, exhausted, depleted. Like you have to have a lot of self-awareness just to even understand that that's what you should be looking for, for these things. Yeah. Which, well, and then all of the, the toxic food and stuff that we eat affects us. So like, it's like we ride a roller coaster on a daily basis and with like the standard North American diet too. So I just think most of us don't even know what a baseline of true health feels like. I fully so to agree even know that. what's off of that. It's like, I don't even know how, like where people start. That's how I felt. Like, you know, you feel really lonely, even when you start to try and tune in 
to understand like do I have symptoms of this or that it can feel really scary and really lonely because you know there's like it feels sometimes like there's so many answers that it's overwhelming because if you start googling stuff you can convince yourself you're dying of anything <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> um, joke. but Web it also MD. can sometimes feel like there's no answers because you know in the in the vast ocean of information it's like how do I take this information and know what's applicable to me and then even once I know what's applicable to me, how do I apply it? Because yeah. it's it's so confusing. And so it can be really overwhelming, which is why I think it's so cool you're doing what you're doing, because it's so important people know they're not alone. Because I, I really just felt like I was alone for a long time. And then you start to find people, you know, that are kind of like your tribe. And you're like, oh, my gosh, like we can learn together and, you know, create community and camaraderie and learn from people's experiences and find you know, those resources that can make what seems so insanely overwhelming a little bit more palatable so that yeah. we can just take one step. Cause it just has to be that it's like one step in front of the other. It can't be, you know, trying to figure it all out at once, which, you know, is largely what my journey looked like for six years, just, you know, having that moment of like, well, I'm not going to be taking a prescription. So what's my next step? Yeah. was talking with my doctor and just seeing he, if he would support me trying to figure out how to actually deal with the root cause, which he had absolutely no idea how to do. And so he which was is like, so crazy to me that that's our health. That? I said, that's so crazy to me that that's what our healthcare system looks like. I feel it like so just, many it's, people, yeah, it's just treating symptoms. It's not anything to do with root cause. No, in the most for the most part. Right. Yeah. Unless you get, find a doctor who that's what they do. Right. Like the functional medicine practice. Functional and, doctors. Yeah. Yeah. But that's not your typical. Which I think it's going to be more and more common. I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. So what was the first thing that you did? So, yeah, I chatted. Well, I did chat with my doctor and just say, hey, like, I don't, I'm not comfortable just jumping on a prescription. Like, I, I really do want to see, like, uh, to me, I was like, my body is talking to me. And I'm not going to just take this pill and ignore it. Because I believe that that is going to cause other problems down the road like I need does. to address what's <laughs> lacking or what like whatever's going on I need to I want to have the opportunity to address it at the root cause and make changes and I think that most people don't want to do that because it's it it looks like change and it is yeah. change and it's lifestyle change and it's a lot easier to take a, a pill and then not change anything and eat whatever you want and you know but that doesn't serve the long-term health and quality of life and personally i want to live the depth of my life not just the length of it like i want to live quality and you can't do that unless you're healthy and i think if most people understood how amazing they could feel if they address some of the different root cause stuff that is causing grumpiness and tiredness and all that stuff like we were talking about you and i like it's crazy. You're like, I feel like I'm on a different plane of what I'm capable of and how I could go live out my potential. And so anyway, I, I chatted with my doctor and he didn't have any way to support me in that outside of saying, I will send you for, for blood work every three months to check in, to make sure you're not going to hurt yourself. And I was like, perfect. Which at least, <laughs> I mean, me. At least that's how something. stubborn I am. So he was like, she's going to do this with or without me. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think that being said too, you know, knowing what's going on with you. Blood work is such a great way to do that. Even if you're doing it by yourself, like going in every six months, you know, whether it's a health fair or your doctor or whoever, you know, wherever you decide to go, um, because knowledge is power in that. And, and 
understanding what your body is needing. You know, there's one, like you can always test things out, right? Like you can do elimination diets and you can figure stuff out that way. But I think a lot of people could seriously benefit just from doing simple things like getting their blood work done. I can't tell you how many people I know that don't even do that. <laughs> so, well, yeah, cause it all started for me just getting routine blood work. Mm-hmm. And it came back like with such crazy levels and that sparked now a six year journey of, I don't even relate to the human being that I was because of how toxic my body was in, in like this, like mentally, physically, emotionally, I was so grumpy. I was so negative. I was so, I would fight myself all the time, just even have a positive mindset. And that was so much about what I was consuming like what I was eating and, and on my, in my journey of like, okay, well, I guess I'll start with, you know, what am I eating and where can I start to research, you know, hypothyroidism. So I started digging into books and I, um, you know, I, there's so much out there, but like I said, which can be exciting, but also scary. And so I started digging into things and just reaching out and, you know, networking is so powerful um, because people go through stuff like this. And so if, you know, we can reach out to people that know, you know, now if I could reverse time and go back, um, I've gotten the name of an incredible functional, um, she's actually a nurse practitioner, but she's like a function, she functions like a functional doctor. And and if I could go back in time and have the connections that I have now, (laughs) which I can't, I would just go see her and I would just be like, lead me through this because I, I don't know, but I instead went on a six year journey of doing my own research and trying different things. So I was trying iodine drops behind my tongue. Like I literally went to a health food store and was like, Hey, anything for hypothyroidism, <laughs> just talk to the person that was like working there. And I thought this is a good place to start. And as I went, I learned more about, you know, how food affects me. I learned that I'm very, very, very sensitive um, to sugar and uh, very addicted to sugar and i don't know anybody who's not (laughs) yeah well and because every three months i would get my blood work done i i did like a three-month period of time where i cut out all processed sugar i was still eating like greens and and you know that kind of stuff which you know ultimately turns to sugar in your body pretty much immediately but i had taken out the majority of just like the nonsense like adding zero value to my life junk and my my blood work showed it and i was like whoa so then i was on to something and i started understanding and trying to learn how my food was going to affect things i how much caffeine i was drinking as a mom with young kids cutting back on that because that's a classic with people that have you know autoimmune stuff is like we're so tired so what do we do we reach for coffee and then that, and that sugar. hurts the thyroid even more and then we're so much more tired even more like it makes us more tired it's a crazy cycle you know with caffeine and sugar where that's just what we reach for because it gives a quick hit so you can like power through and so i st- I, fig- I realized that cycle and stopped that which was really hard because i thought i needed it but i felt so much more energetic without it um And so things like that, where I I started to kind of play around with it, but then a very interesting thing happened where, because it was so blatant in front of me that, you know, sugar, junk food, caffeine, um, stuff that, you know, I just have emotionally eaten my whole life was really doing damage to my body and my thyroid, but I would still eat it. It's funny that you say that because I feel like that's not even specific to people who have autoimmune, right? Like that's specific, like that's the standard American diet. Like you were saying earlier, like that is, that is, I would argue that is why we are seeing 
a huge uprise in autoimmune, in cancer, in diabetes, in all these things is because like, I just, if you just look around, right? Like you go to work and you look around, around like two to three o'clock or even first thing in the morning, like people will do this. They reach for coffee and they reach for sugar. They reach for donuts. They reach for whatever's in the vending machine. They order something in from DoorDash. They like, it's, it is so normalized for us to eat like crap that we don't even think about it. And, and next thing you know, you're put in a position like you and I, where you're like forced to look at this, right? Like, cause if you don't, then you're, you know, you're just making yourself worse. But, you know, I mean, fortunately for people like you and I, we were stubborn enough to look into it because I got to say, I was actually just scrolling through Instagram today and it made me kind of sad. Honestly, I wanted to reach out, but at the same time, I, I didn't um, because I, I felt it would be a waste of time, unfortunately, but I saw somebody's profile um, and she was diagnosed. She's got an autoimmune disease and her post was, um, I'm really tired of people messaging me saying that there's a cure for my incurable disease. I have an autoimmune disease. There's nothing I can do about it. So stop talking to me about it. Like leave it to the professionals is what she put. And I was like, Oh God. I was like, you know, it just made me feel like either one of two things, either she's getting sold to too much, which I totally get girlfriend. Like (laughs) I hate that too. Like if you're just trying to repel people who are like marketing the crap out of whatever they're selling and trying to get, I, I get that. I totally get that. But I also found on the other hand, like I was thinking that either either you're trusting so much in your doctor that you're not trusting your gut or, or you don't want to, you know? And, and that also made me kind of sad. I'm like, with the world that we live in, that our healthcare providers are treating us as symptoms and not as like trying to figure out what our root causes are. And we also live in a world where we have so much information that we like, this shouldn't be how it is. We should be able to figure out what the root cause is. We should be able to, and so many people are doing it that when I saw that, I was like, wow, like how, like, how are you feeling that way right now? Because uh, it just, I, I felt so like sad for her in that moment because I was like, you know, there's so much research being done that even if you don't have an autoimmune disease, that sugar is destroying your body, that caffeine is not good for you, that processed food and junk food and all these things are, are just, yeah, they're the cause of a lot of these diseases. And so, yeah, I just, it's just crazy that we, we've normalized this lifestyle so much. Normalized it and, and become so emotionally attached to it Mm -hmm. that even I'm sure there's people listening to your podcast that heard you say that and they're like uh, tuned out because it's like, Oh no, I need caffeine and sugar. So like it's over. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. I'm, just sitting, 
I'm done listening because I can't fathom my life without those two things. So, you know, this is not helpful for me anymore because I need the answer that includes getting healthy, being holistically, um, you know, whole as a human, uh, but also being able to drink and, you know, have my sugar and my Mm -hmm. coffee and my caffeine and the things that, you know, we emotionally utilize as coping mechanisms. I felt that way at one point. Yeah. I felt like if I ever had to give up my coffee creamer, that my life would be over. And that's very dramatic to think that way. But I haven't had it for years. You know, there must be some extra addictive tendencies to that. Cause it's the same. And honestly, yeah. like I have had black coffee for the last gosh, like three, four years now. And it's like, I love it just the same, but I mean, God, I, when I first decided to quit, that was a huge moment for me because I remember I would go through those giant jugs of coffee creamer, like weekly, the giant ones, not even like the, the little normal sized ones. Like I'm talking the giant ones would be gone every week. So I'm with you. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Well, understand. it's because sugar is so addictive, though, and and I think that that's become so normalized that even for me, when I was trying to get healthy and was trying to have my thyroid blood work come back different every three months, um, you know, I would, I, I was like, hey, I need to figure out how to stop eating sugar, and it, that was quite a journey. Eventually, I hired a sugar coach, um, like a sugar addiction coach, because yeah. um, in COVID, I recognized, like, I, I, I came across, I don't even know where, like a sugar summit, and I was like, interesting, and I must have listened to thousands of hours of content on some of this stuff, because it became so fascinating to me, because I realized I was not alone in my struggle and in my shame that, you know, even though I knew for a fact, you can see it in my blood work, that eating sugar in any of its forms was hurting my thyroid to a point where it could do irreparable damage. I was still eating it. And I am a very disciplined human being. And so it was so outside of my identity to be making a choice and not able to just follow through with it. I didn't even know what to do with it. I was like, I, I do not understand how I know this is bad for me. And I continue to eat it. Like I have a problem. Do I have an eating disorder? Like what is wrong with me? Um, And it was like, no, it's, it's just an addict. It's an addictive substance mentally, physically, physiologically with our gut and, um, and emotionally. We, a lot of us deal with our emotions with food and with sugar and with caffeine and it's you just watch any sitcom and it's part of the show because everybody relates to it Mm -hmm. that you know so-and-so breaks up with so-and-so and and they get out the ice cream and they eat ice cream together like it's this like funny thing like it's this positive coping mechanism that we have but it's it's a very detrimental coping mechanism that is you know an addiction and that's tough because it's everywhere you know it's a socially acceptable drug in a lot of ways but it's in everything so people don't they're like i don't understand like sugars and everything how could it be you know kind of like a drug how could it function like that and it just that's why it's in everything yeah then people want their coffee creamer and they drink an entire giant jug in a week why 
you know, not because it's adding value to their health and their body, but like you and me, because it's, it's a coping mechanism. I'm getting up in the morning really with the kiddos. So dump this in and it gives me a little shot of, you know, sugar and that dopamine goes and okay, I can make it. And now I'm bonking at 10 o'clock in the morning. Let's do it (laughs) again. Do it again. Yeah. That's just just a coping mechanism. It's not, it doesn't have anything to do with long-term health but we get ourselves in these cycles and all of a sudden, you know, a bag of chips at night turns to a bottle of wine. And, you know, you see that kind of stuff happen a lot. And um, it really does come back, you know, for me anyways, to, to that addiction piece, which I just think it, it's becoming more and more talked about. It, it is, but even more so, I think needs to become mainstream because especially women like men, we just have the tendency to shame spiral about anything, um, yeah. let alone when we're sneaking a chocolate bar in our purse that nobody knows about <laughs> because we just need to deal with something emotional that happened. And we're, you know, that's our, our best attempt to make ourselves feel good. Yeah, and exactly. It, it's not even a bad thing. It is our best attempt to try and cope with the stressors of life without getting completely sidelined and having a meltdown. Like it's a positive response in that we're trying to make ourselves feel better. But for me, I just had to really learn how to do that in a different way um, so that it could actually contribute to my health instead yeah. of decimate it. I know <laughs> that's, that's what it was doing. Literally like, like you were saying, the shame, the shame part of it. Because, yeah, I feel like that's the biggest thing when it comes to even just getting help with your sugar addiction is we feel like, especially moms, we feel like we have to have it all together. We feel like we have to be disciplined. And especially people with a more disciplined personality type, when you come to the realization that there's something that you feel like you can't control, you, for one, you beat yourself up about it, which makes it worse. It makes your sugar cravings worse, but also you feel this like shame in asking for help to fix it because you should just have enough willpower and discipline to get rid of it. Right. I mean, Mm -hmm. In your mind, that's what you're thinking when really that's not, that's not the truth. I mean, it is addictive, but there's also what I found with my, my coaching is that there's always an underlying issue. And, and if it's, it could be stress, it could be even something as severe as more of like a childhood trauma that you've never dealt with. It could be your relationship that you're not dealing with. It could be so many different things that you're not allowing yourself to just actually sit with. And, and I think, you know, because we feel like we have to have it all together. Yeah. We, we find ourselves not asking for help. So I'm actually really, I'm, I'm like, really proud of you for for reaching out to somebody and doing that, especially because you do have the personality type that you have. And I was so stubborn that I felt like I had to do it myself. And I feel like eventually I won, but it took me so much longer. That's the beauty about having a coach. Right. And I feel like you could probably vouch for this. It's like you go through the same process that you would have gone through but you accelerate that process. You get it over with quicker. You know, you have mm-hmm. somebody that's holding you accountable. You hit those epiphanies faster and you're yeah. able to move through things quicker. So what would you say 
like with your sugar addiction was your was your kryptonite like what did you find yourself going to because some people i find they're like oh i don't have a sugar addiction but they'll reach for like you said a bag of chips or a bottle of wine which is exactly the same thing mm-hmm. what did you find like was your realization like oh this is something that i go to frequently yeah for me it, it was chips like it's it's the salty <laughs> the salty snacks the like chocolate and stuff like that I'm like yeah you know I can take or leave it unless like the kids like Halloween have their stuff around and I'm like yeah I'll have one of those and one of those and yeah. whatever it's around <laughs> and it's handy um but yeah you know it would be for me my go-to would be chips like there would be like probably every week and it, it, at one point in time in our lives that it would be I just burn myself out so intensely throughout the week that there would be one evening where you know I'd be like okay tonight's the night and I just go with my husband, we go buy a whole bunch of junk food and we just sit, watch movies and eat a bunch of junk. And it was like a coping mechanism. Like this week was hard. Get me bag of chips. Right. <laughs> you know, to the point that my husband, when we were dating, like uh, if I was stressed out about exams or, you know, going through tough stuff in university, like he would literally bring me chips and a mocha. <laughs> Which like, I mean, actually, because he knew that's how I coped with stuff. So he'd be like, oh, oh she's struggling. Give her things. Which and is like, so funny because to my emotional eating. We think <laughs> about like, that. I so. Like, I see it on Instagram all the time. It's like the ideal boyfriend would bring me tacos or something. It's like, yeah. if, like, and it's like, okay, yes, I get that you want somebody who cares for you that knows what you're, um, knows what, like how to help you. But at the same time, like, the fact that that's normalized that, hey, we need junk food when we're stressed or when we're emotional or like, ah, it's just, it's one of those things again, that's just so crazy to me that this is how we live. This is what we yes, do. Avoidance. Mm-hmm. So now let's fast forward a little bit. Um, so once you got off of sugar, I guess explain that process just a little bit if you, if you don't mind, just like how yeah. you felt during that, that process. Yeah, so, so I watched that whole sugar summit and then was like, it, it almost made it worse to be honest. Cause I was like, I recognized that I was an, an addict and then I was like, okay, I need to not eat this anymore. And like you tell anybody that kind of has an addictive tendency that they cannot have the thing that they want to have. <laughs> I almost became more obsessive around it. And, um, and I recognized and it was running my life. And I was like, no, like I need to reach out to somebody and get some help because the thing that I've learned in our, in our years as an entrepreneur is that, you know, a lot of people think information is everything. And so they just become very, um, they just consume stuff. They just consume information all the time. And information is powerful, but applied information is where real transformation happens. Yes. And for me, in, in everything that I've ever done in my life, um, you know, whether it be in our business, uh, business life or in this, when it comes to the sugar addiction piece, um, real transformation has always come on the other side of applied information and that applied information has come as a result of trusting relation, trusted relationships because I needed people to bring the relevant information to the forefront um, for me based off of who I am, my situation, my strengths, my weaknesses, my flops, my fails. um, And that is just going to have my back and be in my corner to be able to support me through um, change, to support me through the application of that information, which 100% of the time looks like change, which we rage against. And, you know, we, 
we battle with. And so um, that that's I, I read a book. Um, one of the people that I listened to on the sugar summit that I was on was named Jen Eden, and she's a sugar addiction coach. And I read her book. It's called Women Unleashed. Um, and it was just a free download online. So I was like, OK, well, like this seems like a good resource and it was like she was inside my head I, I couldn't believe that somebody else that was driven and ambitious and entrepreneurial and all the things that I identify myself as struggled with the same things and in fact has an entire you know coaching um company based off of people just like me and that right. was very comforting where I was like oh like I'm not alone I'm not you know crazy this is actually quite common now i need to understand and how to build relationships with people that can walk me through that and so i i hired her to to work with me and just totally submitted to her knowledge and her and trusted her and was like cool like you know what you're doing i know um so teach me like help me uh, get through this and uh through her program you know i'm still not perfect none of us are you know it's it's a journey and, and that's how she she approaches it too um it's just just always a journey um but man the tools that that you can learn from people that know what they're doing people yeah. that that have gone through it themselves just like you with your your podcast and your coaching you know to learn from people that that get it because they're in it and they've gotten through it and they're willing to walk down that path and take your hand and go it's okay you know, I'll show you where to jump, where to duck, where to, you know. Well, and that's, um, that's so important. That's powerful. And, and that to me has been the final piece of my journey um, was getting that that um, knowledge and understanding through relationships with applied information. And, you know, within having worked with her for three months, it was kind of the tail end of all this, this whole journey. Um, I got a call from my doctor and he said, we have three months that you are, are three different blood tests and so nine months that you've um, come back normal. So, you know, you don't have to go anymore and you're good. And I was like, it's so awesome. Wow, look at that. And it's so, <laughs> so cool too. Like you were saying, you know, when you have that support, because uh, my husband specifically, um, we both have that sort of addictive personality type when it comes to, to things, but um, and I, I haven't fully talked about this on my podcast yet and, and we're planning on doing an episode in the future. So stay tuned for that. But, um, but he has a more of an addictive personality type towards alcohol. <laughs> so when I was struggling with my sugar, he didn't exactly put two and two together, but he was like, if, if you don't want to eat sugar, then just don't eat sugar. Like he didn't understand because it yeah. wasn't, it wasn't alcohol that I was addicted to. It was sugar. Like, and that's stupid. Yeah. Why would you just, you know, and for him, like it didn't fully connect, um, that, that I was struggling in a lot of the more, like in a very similar way that he struggled with, with alcohol. And yeah. I would argue that the difference between the two, that sugar, um, is a lot easier to hide, <laughs> right? Like, like if Taylor was drunk, I knew, uh, it wasn't yeah. a secret, but if I just snuck a candy bar at lunchtime, nobody knew, right? Like I could, I could hide that from the world. And, yeah. and you know, it was, it, it, it was hard not having that support and not having somebody who understood what exactly I was going through. Cause even though he had had addiction that he had struggled with, um, it wasn't in his eyes, it wasn't the same, you know, it yeah. was. And so, you know, he would, he would support me in eating healthy. Of course he was like, yeah, I eat healthy. But when I was like, God, I just really want sugar. There was nobody 
at first for me to lean on until you do, you find that community and you find people that you can, you can walk with, um, that, that, yeah, they just kind of help you out in that sense. Um, it is, it's very, very powerful thing for sure. Well, and it's so, it's so incredible because when we give our bodies the environment that they need, they can heal themselves. Yeah, they can. I, I believe that and I've lived it and, you know, so I just, even when people say, do you have, uh, this, I'm like, well, I, I was sort of diagnosed with suspected Hashimoto's. I don't own that though. Yeah. Cause my body is, is, is incredible in its ability to heal. I just have to listen to it and give it the environment to be able to, to do so. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I I'm not going to own any sort of diagnoses or anything like that. Cause our bodies are incredible. They can do miraculous things when we, when we uh, give them the environment to be able to do so. It's just a matter of having the brain hack yep. to be able to put ourselves <laughs> in a position to consistently and daily value our health and value feeling good over fitting in with people because we're all having a birthday cake um over you know what's like normal air quotations normal um and you know because it is so socially acceptable it's a tough one and but think, when when we get more convicted in the the health more convicted in the healing of our body it it actually doesn't even tempt me anymore because i'm like i just prefer to feel great i think that's a really that. important piece though <laughs> A really important piece of that, I think, too, um, is the social the social pressure. Like, mm -hmm. I know, you know, there's been so many, so many times that I've gone to like events or to a friend's house or or just various activities where I've been looked at differently because I eat better, which mm -hmm. there is a weird guilt, not only within ourselves for eating sugar, but from other people as well. Like when yeah. you, I remember specifically a couple times where people have been like, oh, Crystal's on a diet. So she's yeah. not going to eat that. And it's like, yeah, okay. Like, uh, sure. Like at some point you do just have to kind of own that. Like, yeah, you're right. I'm not going to eat that. But at, when you're first starting to make these changes, like it does, it makes you feel bad. You're like, oh man, like they make, like, maybe I should just partake this time. It'll be okay. Maybe I'll just have one piece of cake. That way I'm not causing a scene, but we all know what that's going to result in. That's going to result in you just in downward spiraling back into your yeah. sugar addiction. Just feeling like junk. Yeah. It's so true. It's so true. It, it threatens people. Which is because so funny. most people have a sugar addiction. Yeah. So no different than if you show up to a party and you're the one that's not drinking. Most people will try and, and get you to drink because it exposes whatever's going on inside of them. And um, I know for me, I just had to embrace like, yeah, okay. Like I'm going to be different, but I can't dim my light and, you know, throw myself off to make you feel more comfortable, you know, at, at a, other people that feel more comfortable at a party. Um, but that, that's hard, but, and that's why, once again, I bring it back to relationships are so powerful because mm -hmm. if you have people in your corner that can normalize the struggle of what that looks like, then you're in it and you can be given tools and, um, mindsets and, you know, little tricks of the trade of like how you can handle those situations, but also know that you have people that are going to support 
if it does get really hard, if someone does get really mean with you, that you can go to a place where somebody understands and cry and experience yeah. the emotion of a change that you're making in your life. And a lot of times when we make any change, whether it's within what we're eating or how we're living or whatever it is, um, if it's, if, if it feels threatening to people, that they'll try and hold us back. And it's yeah. um, so just success in anything. That's why we love watching movies because people don't get taken out by that stuff. They overcome and then they have the victory and they win the championship. And we're so inspired by it because I believe that every single one of us inside is a winner like that. And we want to um, overcome and be triumphant and um, win our own life's journey. And, you know, oddly enough, those are little wins that we have to choose on a daily basis, but are so much easier to do when they have, when you have support. So. Well, and I think it's funny that you say that because we, we do, we admire these people in movies, but I don't think we make the connection that in real life, that's what that looks like, right? Yeah. Like it does look like saying no to people, even though they might, you might think they have the best intentions for you. They might be your best friend. They might, you know, and it is having the courage to stand up for what you believe in and the changes you're trying to make. And I think oftentimes what I found is weirdly enough, when you're getting pushback like that, it means you're on the right path. You know, it means it's hard and it is hard to, to notice that in the moment. Um, but looking back every time I've said no to, to something like that, or, or felt a little resistance within my personal community of family and friends and people that I feel like should be supporting me. Um, it, it meant that I was doing something, something that was good for me, which is weird, which is so weird, but it is, it's true. Okay. So the other thing I was going to touch on with you. So once you started giving up sugar, right, we've got down this path, we've, um, we're starting to make these changes. You were explaining to me before that you had some like detox symptoms. And I think that that's really important for people to know because sometimes when we make changes in our bodies, um, it doesn't always look the way that we think right away. <laughs> so what did that yeah. look like for you? Yeah, I think I had so much just toxins backed up in my organs. <laughs> but as I was eating more clean, it was all starting. Yeah, my body was able to create space for it to be able to come out. And um, my hands were so swollen. I couldn't wear my wedding ring. My feet were so swollen. Thank God it was summer because I don't think I would have been able to put shoes on um, because it was just like as I went and saw like my naturopath and she was like, whoa, like what was happening was there was so much toxin being released that uh, my colon was actually not able to absorb all of it and then, and then get rid of it. Um, and so I just got really, um, swollen, you know, in, in, um, my limbs. And so obviously, you know, I went and saw the appropriate people and she actually had, was able to give me like a, a, a herbal supplement that was really helpful and helped to like clear things out. But I couldn't believe even just how that, like how much inflammation is actually in our bodies and, and, you know, how much inflammation is on our bodies when it comes to, you know, I, I lost, um, 26 pounds in, uh, like a three month period of time. And if you would have asked me if I had 26 pounds to lose, I would have been like, I don't think so. Um, but looking back even now at photos, I'm like, wow, like there was so much inflammation, not 
like I look at myself and I'm like, oh, I'm so fat. Like not like that. Yeah. But like I could just tell. Like there was just inflammation going on in in and on my body. I could see it. Now once you become in tune to like what inflammation is, you can see it on people. And yeah. I could see it a hundred percent of myself. I was just watching a video with my kids the other day and I was like, wow, that is wild. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so you know, but it, it's not even like I wasn't trying to lose weight. This mm-hmm. it's not vanity. And that's like when people are like, oh, she's on a diet. I'm like, yeah, right, sure. Treat me like. You know, I am some, you know, just celery eating, you know, <laughs> totally vain right. person. And this is all about looks and, you know, all these things. If that makes you feel better, fine. But it's not. This is about root health. And if we get to the bottom of things and we can understand what, how our bodies function, I don't have to worry about, you don't, you don't become obsessed with weight loss anymore. You're not worried about that stuff because your body is functioning properly. And so you maintain a, a, a healthy weight um, with, with no inflammation because you eat well. And so that stuff just isn't a roller coaster that you have to ride anymore, physically, mentally, emotionally, you know, you, you just get to be, you just get to be, and that is so powerful. But yeah, it was an interesting ride. Like his man, I would like rage at this, like, just like any addict, I'm like raging against, I'm angry, I'm emotionally (laughs) experiencing stuff that, you know, I was suppressing for so long. I used to just stuff my emotions quite literally with food. So then when I wasn't doing that anymore, I was just felt like I was a wild child, like, but it was so good because it was so healing to be able to allow my body to heal, but also my mind, you know, also a lot of the stuff that, like you said, a lot of times it's stuff we suppress and we just stuff things through our whole life and then they start to come up. And so it can be a messy process, but messy is beautiful Mm -hmm. and change requires it sometimes. And um, that was certainly the case for me, but looking back, I'm, I'm so grateful I embraced the mess. Um, and found people that could support me through that so that, you know, on the other side, you know, I'm no longer a mess. I get to, yeah. I get to have a, a baseline understanding of who I am physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, that when I'm off, I know, and I know the tools and, and things to be able to help myself get back on track quicker. And that's what I hope for everybody, whether they have an autoimmune condition or not. Like yeah. this is just, this is just basic health. This is just basic, put your body in a position to be able to, maintain longevity in your life and quality of life. Um, this kind of stuff is, I believe for, for anybody and everybody, um, so that you don't develop an autoimmune condition, like you said, because that's what's causing it all is all this inflammation, but that we can just be healthy and be strong. So. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Kara, for joining today. I, I've loved getting to, getting to talk to you and just, you know, I mean, really, cause this is the root of of so many problems, right? Not even just autoimmune, like we were saying, but but basic health. You know, if you're dealing with anxiety, if you're dealing with depression, if you're dealing with skin issues, like that was one of my biggest things. If you're dealing with inflammation, you know, if you're feeling like poofy or if you're dealing with fatigue, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. So I love that we're talking about this and bringing it to to the forefront of people's minds that maybe didn't even realize that they had sugar addiction problems until today, you know? (laughs) I mean, that was definitely not something that I ever, I ever even considered until I got diagnosed with my autoimmune that 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 was something I needed to look into. So I love that that we got to talk about this today. Um, so thank you. Thank you for joining me and thank you for being on my podcast. Well, it's absolutely my pleasure. I love what you're doing. So it's a, it's a pleasure to be a part of it. Awesome. 
I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. Tons of good takeaways for sure. The thing that I love the most about the interviews that I've done so far is that it just shows you how powerful it is to change your lifestyle and take care of yourself. You know, these are just people that decided to take charge of their health and are seeing amazing results because of it. So I hope this inspires you to do something good for yourself today. And we'll see you next time on A Healthy Soul. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure you click the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Also, if you're interested in nutrition coaching, sign up for a free consultation at healthysoulnutrition.com. I'd love to hear about your goals and see if you're a good fit for my program. I hope you have a wonderful day and we will see you next time on Healthy Soul.